You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McRae. Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's edition of Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McRae. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. It's good to be here to uh, talk about another great topic. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We had to bring in some reinforcements on this. We have <laughs> oh, <for> sure. Ned Hastings. <laughs> Hello, guys. How's it going, Ned? It's good to be back. Yeah, dude. Yeah, good to have you back. Hey. Why, uh, why do we have to call in such a heavy hitter on this subject, Ned? What, what are we talking about tonight? You're asking me? Um, for, for, through the grapevine, I heard that you reached out to Mark, who reached out to me to tell me what we're talking about tonight. I did. Well, I reached out to Mark. So, yeah, it happened um, uh, that a jazz musician who had been one of the creators of the content of Schoolhouse Rock, a guy named right. Dave Frischberg, died. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard about it probably on the radio or something like that, and mentioned it to Mark and just said, you probably don't know who Dave Frischberg is, but he was one of the Schoolhouse Rock guys, and that it was originally created by this sort of small group of interconnected musicians, and uh, he was one of them. And that's that's what got Mark and me talking about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mark and I were probably, both of us, learned a lot from Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, yeah. I know I did. For sure. Yeah, I did. I remember I went over to a friend's house and his sister had gotten a failing grade on a math test. And he <laughs> said, I don't understand. She always watches Schoolhouse Rock every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you get know? it. The, the TV failed my sister. <laughs> right, right. And I just thought that was so funny. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. From a historical point of view, there was this sort of backlash and on Saturday morning because the 1967 schedule with all these superheroes, DC versus Marvel and all the Hanna-Barbera superheroes were sort of going at it ratings wise and, and networks. Everybody was battling everyone and they were really pushing the envelope. And some of the supervillains didn't make it out of the cartoon alive. This got the attention of parents groups and religious groups. The Vietnam War was raging every night and people were thinking there's too much violence on television. That's something that Dan and I talked about in an earlier podcast was that the fact that the Vietnam War was being televised on the six o'clock news, he was saying that that was an experiment. And after that, you never saw any war really being televised like that on the news. No, that's and if right. it was televised, it, right. they would show scenes that were sort of benign. Right. Uh, not so much like real battles. Embedded is the term that was used, by <laughs> shared by both the media and the military. When somebody would be embedded with a unit, that unit knew that they had a reporter in them all the way up the chain of command. So the Pentagon would call the shots on where that unit would go. They almost acted like uh, location producers for the media. Hmm. As in, we're going to take you exactly where we we want to take you. We're going to show you what we want to show you. And they learned that the hard way 
from just letting reporters willy-nilly jump in wherever they're going to jump in during Vietnam. And that right. ended up, uh, you know, serving that along with your Swanson's TV dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, and not just reporters with notebooks. It was reporters with cameras and microphones. For, that's right. For, for that's right. <laughs> yeah, you got your Salisbury steak and a whole boatload of why the why are we here? Why are we in Southeast Asia? Why am right. I watching a gunfight on my television right now? <laughs> or worse. Yeah. Or a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Saturday morning networks, they knew this was coming. And in 68, they were still being a little competitive. You know, Fred Silverman greenlit the Batman Superman hour, uh, one of Ned Hastings' favorite shows. And uh, <laughs> also, you had more Spider-Man episodes coming up for renewal. And Thank so God. they were like listening to the parents, but like still sort of like sneaking in some violent content at the same time. But they knew the change was coming. So the networks was trying to figure out how do we get this educational thing going? Sesame Street premieres in November of 1969. Yes. You know, that became a big hit. So that kind of gave the networks a little bit of a clue. Like, if we make educational fun, maybe we can put some of this stuff on Saturday morning, you know? Right. Chuck Jones had a show greenlit in 1971 called The Curiosity Shop. Which I loved. Oh, you remember that series? Yeah. Did you and I talk about Curiosity Shop? I feel like we did. We haven't talked about it. Okay, we have Okay. Yeah, no, we have not, but I, I was a fan. I, I even had a toy, a, a, a Curiosity Shop little toy thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, and so I always felt like Curiosity Shop was, you know, a little bit influenced by Sesame Street. Sure. And Chuck Jones, through researching this episode about Schoolhouse Rock, I found out that he was a animation consultant to Michael Eisner. And uh, before the phone call, I was telling Dan that TV back in those days, you had executives that scheduled the programs. They took in pitches like the programming guy was also in charge of what content was going to be pitched and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, there wasn't there, those positions were not separated out. But to have an animation consultant, though, I think was a pretty progressive idea at the time. Mm -hmm. With Curiosity Shop, you had the first Schoolhouse Rock short premiere. Okay. Three is the magic number. magic number. Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity, you get three as a magic number. The past and the present and the future, faith and hope and charity, the heart and the brain and the body give you three as a magic number. It takes that premiered in the very first uh, episode. Of, and this was on, on ABC, correct? On, exactly, yes, on right. ABC. And uh, supposedly there was an extended version of Three is the Magic Number that only aired in the Curiosity Shop. Interesting. And the version that we all have been used to was just sampled in the new Spider-Man movie. Oh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Three, that's a magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Three. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community was born three, they stub me, and that's a magic number. I still haven't seen it, but that's funny. And I'll just say, towards the end, it, the song gets sampled by a, a rapper. Okay. Uh, all right, that's all I'll say. Oh, and now I get, I get why. <laughs> right, you know that's why. Cool. Yeah. 
Right, I get, right. I get it. Without giving away any more details. <laughs> but uh so yeah, and and of course, you know, all of this happened because you had an advertising executive whose kid was struggling in school, like the right. kid could memorize the Beatles and the Rolling Stones songs, but couldn't figure out his multiplication. Right. And mm. so that was like the start of everything. And the fact that the networks were open to getting some type of educational content on the air, this fantastic pro-social, educational, interstitial series, yeah. Schoolhouse Rock was born. Now, there was some FCC requirement, right, in terms of getting educational content. Right, right. So in, in 1971, Action for Children's Television had the FCC commission a study to see where Saturday morning can be improved. And right. all of the networks knew that the study was going on. And right. so I think that they were trying to get a head start. Like, we know the FCC is going to come down on us. So yeah. by the time this report gets finished, yeah. we better show that we've be made a role. Right. Like, we've made yeah. some type of effort. What's funny about that is, is usually on your show, when you're talking that era of Saturday morning, the uh, that what is it? The action committee for action, action for show. children's television. Yeah. They're usually your villain. They are. They are the villains. They're, they're usually the guy that makes <laughs> Superman go away or you know, Batman not punch people or, you know, but in this instance, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, this is, this is one of the times when, uh. If you're, if you're covering the Archies or if you're covering this, they're the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so Action for Children's Television doesn't come away totally clean in this story. Of course because not. Because right. as, as a result, <laughs> in order for ABC to run the schoolhouse shorts, they told the studios, you guys are gonna have to cut two to three minutes of content out of your shows. Right. Yeah, because these were not commercial link. These were interstitial. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I guess the deal was, even though I'm not exactly sure how this all came about, so they were told to cut three minutes out of the content, but the syndicated version, supposedly, would have the three minutes added in. So that was the deal. Hmm. But between us, Schoolhouse Rock didn't air after every single episode. No. So I just kind of wonder, okay, what shows had to cut the three minutes out? And was it a series that was repeated? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right. right. I right. would imagine. I, I wonder if maybe they rotate, like, let's say you're going to show two Schoolhouse Rocks per Saturday. I don't know how many they showed on a given week. Maybe... um you know, if they're changing the time slot so that that three minutes is missing one Saturday, but then when they repeat it the next time, a month later or two months later, it's back in because Schoolhouse Rock is in a different time slot that day. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's how they did it. Super Friends had those little right, right interstitials and and those would be those would be sort of modular they could pull those out oh absolutely and put in a schoolhouse rock you know aquaman telling you how to get something if it gets out of your eye it gets something out of your eye i remember <laughs> literally there was one about that yeah, just was. rotate yeah. it yeah oh poor aquaman yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh hey he was helpful all right <laughs> Husky the Walrus. <laughs>
everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Schoolhouse Rock became like this huge success and you know I, I don't think that I don't think there is a, a single person who grew up on these schoolhouse rock songs that doesn't have a favorite song a, a no favorite song by heart or lovely something lady like. liberty with her book of recipes yeah yeah the great american melting pot <laughs> oh yeah and there they melted in Another thing I'll say about the success of Schoolhouse Rock and how good it is, is I can remember, you know, on Saturday mornings, particularly if there was two cartoons on at the same time that you liked. Which happened constantly. You'd switch back and forth sometimes. And I can remember, like, when the commercial break would come, I'd be ready to shift over and see what's on CBS or NBC, usually CBS. Me too. But if the Schoolhouse Rock came on, I'd stop and see which one it was going to be, and and you know because yeah. we liked them, over they were fun over. to watch. Yeah, and, and so I mean, aside from the educational value for us, from a pure programming point, I would think ABC loved it if it keeps you keeps you from changing the dial, if it keeps you from switching over because. Once you switch over, you may not switch back, you know. Right. The music and the singing and the lyrics and everything right. about Schoolhouse Rock was just great. I mean, like, Three is a Magic Number still gives me goosebumps, you know. It is such a great song. Yeah. So that guy is, that singer is a guy named Bob Doro. Doro, right. Doro. And he was a jazz singer. He had been around in the 50s. He recorded with Miles Davis. There's mm -hmm. a There's a... A Christmas song that he did recorded with Miles Davis. Really? That's pretty well known. You'll hear it. And you just, it, I guarantee you, when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, that is him. That's the voice. Because it's a pretty distinctive voice. Yeah. Um, and and he's very diverse, too. Yeah. Um, he wrote I Got Sick. Yeah. Brady Tate actually sang the song. Bob Darrow also sings one of my favorite ones, uh, Three is a Magic Number. Right. Great song. Great song. Right. He sang, uh, he sang, um, all but three of the first entire season. Oh, okay. He did all but three of them, uh, which is like, what, 12? How many did they do that first season or that first group? It was like 12, I think. Um, I think Dora wrote all of them. Um, yeah, 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 all, yeah. He wrote, wrote all wrote, of them. Or co-wrote all of at least that mm -hmm. first season. Yeah. And and he had been a jazz guy in the 50s, but it, he never kind of caught on in, you know, in any big, big, big way. And from what I understand, he had moved into advertising and was oh, okay. writing jingles and recording things and working as a, in, in an advertising firm. And when they fired up Schoolhouse Rock, they went to this advertising firm and said, we want you guys to produce these interstitials for us. And that was how he got got into it and brought in his friends like Dave Frischberg, who I mentioned earlier, and then uh, a guy named Grady Tate, who was a uh, who, who did a couple of the first season, and then uh, right. 
a female singer named Blossom Deary, and she's the figure eight. She sang the figure eight song. Oh, another great song. Blossom Deary is one of those that I I like. I, I listen to jazz, and I was introduced to her in my early twenties, and have a couple of her CDs, and had not heard Schoolhouse Rock in decades by that by or over a decade by that time. And then when Schoolhouse Rock came out on DVD in like two thousand three or four, maybe five. Oh yeah, yeah. I popped yeah. it in. I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch these. I haven't seen them, and at that point, it had been twenty years, more than twenty twenty five years since I'd seen them. And right. and Figure eight came up and I was like, oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> that's possibility. <laughs> that's another great one. Yeah. And you said that Bob Darrow also, he worked with Miles Davis. He did. He, he recorded day? with Miles at least that one time. Oh. Um, um, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was for real. He was, he was, he played the piano and he sang and, um, yeah, he played with Miles, um, in 1962, it looks like on Columbia Records. Wow. Jingle Bell Jazz was there. Uh, and he did one called Blue Xmas. Uh, it's pretty funky. He's very, you know, he's very groovy. He's very hip. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. You, you know, one of the funniest things about I Got Six, and I don't think that they should have used it as an example, even though, you know, this kind of stuff does go on in the world. Uh-huh. I Got Six, the guy talks about, there was a man. Yeah, he had six wives. Yeah. <laughs> Those six wives had six kids, six times six. Right. I'm like, huh? Right. <laughs> wow. How did they get away with that one? <laughs> six times eleven, six to six, eleven times six. He had twelve wives. You better be rich. Each one had six kids, six children each. Six times twelve is seventy-two. Twelve times six. But me, I got six. I got six. That's all there is. But that's all there is. Six times one is six. You know, and and the thing is, from a music standpoint, it's like one of the best parts of the song. Right. You know, it was a man. He had six wives. You know, what's funny is, um, and you may you may have run into this too, um, Mark, but my memory of of Schoolhouse Rock, they're all good, except that I can remember, and one reason why I would stay glued to the TV is because there was some you would just see. Over and over and right. over and over and over and over again, and some you just never saw. Like rarely, right. if ever. Um, what, there was one you just name checked a minute ago, Dan. Um, not the one where with the British, where the King is in it, but there's another history one that you mentioned. The Great American Melting seen. Pot. Great American. I have melting no memory of that one. I have, zero, I have zero memory of that. I remember Elbow Room. That yep, was a big yep, one. Yep. Um, and literally, I still have the preamble of the Constitution memorized because of that one. You passed, the, you passed your eighth um, grade test into high school because of Schoolhouse Rock remembering the preamble. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and to 
Well, actually, it's what's funny. We did have to have it memorized in like sixth or seventh yeah. grade, and uh, one girl actually requested to sing it, and the teacher said, "And okay, she just fine. did she straight up and she just schoolhouse rock. She straight up schoolhouse rocked it. Nice, yeah. nice. It's a lot more schoolhouse than it was rock. <laughs> no, hey, but, dude, uh, hey, but, yeah. she 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 got to go into high school, so that's that's right. that's what matters. Exactly. That's what counts. You know, I got reruns. I'm I'm a kid of the '80s. I was born latter half of '78. Right. You know, I, I I'm like, yeah, I'm totally Generation X. Yeah, I mean, I just by the skid of my teeth, I'm Generation X. Right. I'm at the front end of it, and you're yeah, the right. We still it. both have crummy <laughs> attitudes towards everything. I think mine are probably <laughs> mine's probably a lot more jaded in order to fit in more. Uh, right. Definitely got the reruns of Schoolhouse Rock on right. the. Probably the after school affiliate, KCOP. So you got it after school as like a syndicated yes, thing. Yes, that's exactly how we got it. Oh, and wow. it was, I'm trying to remember if they did it interstitial style or the whole, they did the whole show for a while. Like just, they, they had them strung together in, into episodes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was, uh, oh, what was that huh. other show? Wait, till, wait, wait, wait till your father gets home. Wait, wait, wait till your father gets home. You remember that show, Mark? Yeah, wait till your father gets yes. until your father gets. Wait with, till your father gets home. Was that the one with Tom Bosley? Yeah, it was. Yes. It was like a very influenced the by yeah. all the family. Right, yeah, they right, had right. they kind right, of mushed right. together, or maybe my young brain mushed together Schoolhouse Rock and that show. That they would do. I think the wait till your father gets home, which probably had a twenty six minute runtime and a twenty three minute one runtime world at that point, right? Right. And the Schoolhouse Rock is interstitials. Cause I don't remember a lot of meat, only songs being aired uh, of that. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all there was. Yeah. For us okay. Too. Okay. And, and ABC had that and CBS had in the news. Right. Right. Um, right. That was their big push. Ned, you had mentioned, uh, Scott Glenn. Not, so yeah. Scott Glenn, right? Chris, Chris yeah, it was Scott Glenn. Oh, Chris yeah, Scott Glenn. Chris Glenn was an astronaut. Scott Glenn's the actor. No, Scott Glenn is an yeah. actor. Right. Played right. An astronaut. Yeah. Yeah, he played an astronaut. <laughs> Scott Glenn played yes, Alan Shepard. That's Shepherd. it. Yeah, the right stuff, everybody. Yeah, love it. <laughs> um, yeah, he was the voice rate, yeah. for in the news, and then you know he was a CBS correspondent, and he was a voice for in the news, and then they did thirty minutes, which was the kids' version of sixty minutes. Oh yeah, gosh, I vaguely remember that. Well, what was yeah, NBC so, doing during all? What, did they have a? No, they NBC was busy being in last place. Being That's terrible. What <laughs> 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 was ABC also time for timer? Was that also on ABC? Yes, yeah, that was ABC. Man, I was watching a lot more ABC than I realized. Right. What 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 is really funny is I think Time for Timer was done by the Patty Freeling, the animation anyway. Yeah, they were. You can tell. You can so tell. Yeah. But the Patty Freeling mostly sold to NBC. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, they didn't have a big relationship with ABC, not as big with ABC and no relationship really with CBS at all. Uh, Ken Spears of Ruby Spears told me that Fred Silverman wasn't necessarily a fan of the Patty Freeling, mainly because they could not produce like a, a super hit show right for NBC. And so Fred's attitude was, well, until you get my attention, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that was kind of the attitude. Interesting. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, it's yeah. funny because as a kid, I would never have figured out who did what. But when you look at the Patty at, at Time for Timer, and then you look at Pink Panther or the Ant the Yardvark or those, right. I mean, just very same style, similar right. looks. Yeah. Right. I I feel like uh, the Patty Feeling had some pretty good animation. You know, yeah, uh, like the Pink Panther did pretty good ratings and stuff, but. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they sold to NBC only lasted one season, you know? Right. But NBC was sort of experimenting. Right. So they would jump in on it and then just jump out right away. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Whereas ABC and CBS kind of remind me of, of Nick and Disney. Right. You know, they were definitely serving up great contents for kids and they were eyeing each other as each other's competition. Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, it was kind of interesting because there's like uh, on some of those Saturday morning pages or on Facebook, a lot of people are in agreement that people either watched ABC or CBS more in the, you know, 70s versus NBC. But of course, once the Smurfs came along, then NBC's ratings woes sort of went away. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was out of the game by that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I had Ned. I had been out of the game for a while, right. but I was still watching and, and paying attention. You know. <laughs> this Labor Day weekend, fandom is calling. Let Michael, Mike, Darren, and Jen help you answer the call with the latest news, notes, tips, and tricks on the DragonCon Report. Available as an audio podcast. Visit DragonConReport.com and, for the first time ever, watch us on video via Facebook Live and YouTube. We want to help you celebrate your fandom in all the best ways. So listen up, and we'll see you at the con. The British are coming! The British are coming! Now the ride of Paul Revere set the nation on its ear. And the shock at Lexington heard one of the cool things that I thought about when I was kind of re-watching some of these, I watched a bunch from the first seasons. Um, or Well, the first season is is the multiplication table stuff, and then I watched a lot of the um, the third season, which is the America stuff. And, of course, what's so great about it, as for me as a kid, and for I'm sure you remember, is that so much of it fell right in line with what we were all into, which was the Bicentennial. Right. The bicentennial was everywhere, and everything, every oh, commercial man. was bicentennial. Every shop was decorated. I mean, it was just everywhere, and so all that stuff with. You know, no more kings and and the preamble and all of that stuff just fell right in place with you know the nighttime interstitials like bicentennial minute and you know those all that programming that we were exposed to that was about history at that at that moment. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, that's how uh, Filmation sold the U.S. of Archie right. to the network. Oh gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, in anticipation of the bicentennial. Right. Well, I felt like the history stuff, as a kid, I, I, I took really took to the history stuff because of what we were mm-hmm. going through with the Bicentennial mm-hmm. and 
Right. Um, and it just was like, that was just one of those moments in history where, it, for me at least, I was wide open to anything you wanted to tell me about, you know, red coats and tri-cornered hats and muskets. And yeah. I was <laughs> yeah, like, right. bring it, baby. Just feed it to me. Um, it was cool. To the Americans swore they see it through Their raiding parties kept up hit and run At Yorktown the British could not retreat Bottled up a Washington and the French fleet Cornwallis surrendered and finally we had won Hooray! Uh, I, I, I mentioned the Bicentennial Minute Which would come on at night it, it, it was great It was a famous person would come on And tell you for Spend 60 seconds to say on this day in whatever, you know, 19, uh, in 1776 or, what, you right. know, I think they started it before 1976. So it would, I think they told some 1775 stories, but they're like, on this day, this happened. This person did this. And that led to the next great big thing that came along. And, and, and I just was fascinated. I just thought it was all really, really fascinating. Right. Right. Oh, so this is another. This is actually you just t- you just got me into another topic that Mark and I love to talk about, which is I always love to tell Mark whenever I see a an actor on a TV show like a, an old show that was a voice actor. So I'll call to Mark will say I'll email him one night. I go, hey, I just saw uh, Olin Sule on an episode of Andy Griffith. Um, uh, or uh, okay, I, I always okay. love it when I would see um, uh, <laughs> what's his name that played a, a mentor on on Shazam, right? Uh, Lee, uh, what you know? What I'm talking about like, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, what is the dude's name? Oh my goodness! Oh gosh, I'm blanking. Les Tremaine. Les Tremaine. I'll see him on a TV show, and I'll, I'll, I'll email Mark. I'm like, hey, I just saw Les Tremaine. Anyway, um, one of the singers on Schoolhouse Rock is a guy named Jack Sheldon, and he was actually conjunct. He's conjunction junction. That's okay. Jack Okay. Okay. Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, junction, how's that function? I got three favorite cars that get most of my job done. Conjunction, junction, what's their function? I got and, button, or, they'll get you pretty far. And I was a kid, 10, 12 years old, watching Petticoat Junction. And there's an actor on there, and I'm just racking my brain. How do I know this voice? Where have I heard this guy's voice? And it was Jack Sheldon. And and, and he ends up actually singing at one point. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the Conjunction Junction guy. Right. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I would have not have known, you know, anybody's name the way I do now. But, uh, yeah, that was one of those moments where you realize – Oh, voice actors are are also actors, you know. They're also are are actors, yeah, and singers. Right. And and Sheldon was one of those guys. He was a jazz, he was a trumpeter, and he was a singer. And he was just one of those guys that kind of like had a great personality, had a great act, musically speaking, right. and kind of broke through and would show up on all the variety shows at the time, and would you know they would slot him into a sitcom every now and then because he had a cool speaking voice too, and. He was one of those guys that parlayed being a musician into being a, a personality. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, he just died a few years ago, too. I think I probably emailed Mark when that happened. 
Oh, gosh. He got a lot of press when he died, Jack Sheldon. Yeah, he sang uh, con- Conjunction Junction. Conjunction yeah. Junction, what's your function? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had a... Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and he was also, I'm just a bill. Oh, that right, 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 right. You sure got to climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, so that's a big. I mean, those are like, you know. Yeah, even if you've never heard of Schoolhouse Rock, you've heard those songs. Exactly. Or you know that they are a thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city. It's a long, long wait while I'm sitting in committee. But I know I'll be a law someday. At least I hope and pray that I will. But today I am still just a oh, One of the other ones I like, too, is uh, Verb, That's What's Happening, sung by Zachary Saunders. I wanted to ask you about that one because that is, that is such a cool one. It's got that great uh, superhero guy. That, right, that, right. That, which, anytime you throw a superhero, even if, even if he's a made-up one, I was always like, Ooh, Oh, like, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I get my thing in action To be, to see, to feel, to live I put my heart in action and the vocals, I mean, don't get me wrong, the vocals on all of these Schoolhouse Rock songs oh, yeah. are just, I mean, these singers were hitting some notes that you don't hear, you didn't hear contemporary singers hit. I mean, they were just going all out. And I think that's one of the things I really yeah. like about Saturday morning yeah. music. Right. You know, you had a lot of really great talent. Nobody was dialing it in. And even though they knew it was for kids, it didn't get in the way yeah. of them giving it their all, you know? So, and it's just like really great product. Yeah. Well, these were good songs too. I mean, if I'm a singer and somebody hands me this song, I- I- I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. You know, these are yeah. good songs. Uh, a yeah. lot of, yeah. lot of, Jazz and folk rock, if I'm yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, those yeah. are the two genres they they leaned into the most. Yeah, which kind of makes sense since some of these jazz guys, like a Bob Doro, came around in the '50s when you know the folk scene was going on too. Yeah, um, there was a, there was a lot less um, people were just sort of more musically uh, uh, intertwined than you know, there wasn't so much like ah, I don't listen to that I only listen to this and, right you know and, and so a guy like a Bob Doro is going to be hip to all all of that stuff you know and and, right. and so if it gets yeah. kind of folky yeah. cool it works it's the 70s let's let's folk it up well let's I want to jump into the 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 female singer-songwriters that were also involved. I'd right. like to jump into uh, Lynn Ahrens. Yes. And uh, we also had uh, Kathy Mandery. I think um, Lynn was brought in second season. Yes. And she, to me, is the, the voice that I remember the most other than right. Blossom Deary. She was the nowness person, place, or thing. That was one that I that aired a lot. Um, and she Interjections. Was- she was interjections. That one aired a lot, and I love that one. I I, I really really love that one. Oh um, yeah. Well, every person you can know, and every place that you can go, and anything that you can show, you know they're nouns. A noun's a special kind of word. It's any name you ever heard. I find it quite interesting. A noun's a person, place, or thing. Oh, I take a trip. 
affection with one small injection while raging on uttered some interjections. Hey! Self-sightment. Yeah! Out! They're generally set apart from a sentence by an exclamation point or by a comma when the feeling's not as strong. This is so much fun. The women's suffrage one I always loved. Oh, that was a classic. That's a yeah. theme. That's a woman called Esra Mohawk is her name. Yeah. That's a great, such a great song. Oh, yeah. Now you have heard of women's rights and how we've tried to reach new heights if we're all created equal. That's us too. Yeah. But you will probably... Yeah, I, as, as a kid, that that's the song... I kind of went to my mom going, you weren't always allowed to vote. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. It kind of opened your eyes to gender segregation in America. It kind of made me thinking, wait a minute. You're saying the girls are different societally, legally speaking? Yeah. I know. Crazy, right? What the hell is what's going on with this? But when the time rolled around to elect a president, what did they say, sister? What did they say? They said, oh, see you later, alligator. And don't forget my so Lynn Aaron's just to interject Lynn Aaron's uh, speaking of interjections um, Lynn Aaron's uh, is a Broadway uh, writer and composer right right she did Susicle she did Ragtime uh, My Favorite Year so she came in as a writer on songs but also would perform Okay, very yeah. cool. I'm looking at awards and nominations. Yeah, she's big time. She has a bunch of Grammy nominations, and she's won a Drama Desk Outstanding Lyrics Award for Ragtime. For Ragtime, yeah. Um, I knew I knew that name, but I could not place it. Um, and yeah. Oh, she has an Emmy Award for Best Informational Daytime Program, HELP, H-E-L-P, like huh. with initials. Uh-huh. Um, like, uh, Man from Uncle. <laughs> like, it's, but <laughs> okay, <right>. yeah. Period. <laughs> it's an acronym. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, once they got into grammar, rock, and history, they, that's where you see a lot more female voices coming in. Right. Um, in those subsequent seasons. I, I assume the first season is mostly Bob Dora because they probably just did not have a lot of budget. And he's just like, well, right. I'll just sing it and write it. Right. Right. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, one of the things that they talked about in, you know, researching this, uh, three is a magic number costs like $15,000. And they were talking about it like that was just a little bit of money. But I mean, $15,000 for <laughs> three minutes <laughs> is <Yeah>. a lot, <laughs> even yeah. back then. Yeah. You know? And I also think it was kind of cool. Like this company that animated the Schoolhouse Rock, mm-hmm. Phil Kimmelman, and Associates and Bob Eggers, uh-huh. they were mostly from the ad world. And yeah. so they would do commercials for clients in animation. Right. And I could only imagine the amount of commercials they did back in the 70s and 80s or even of before everything. that. Yeah. Everything, right. So because, many commercials you know, were animated back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, that's that's like the the I think when ABC decided we're going to do this, that's who they went to, you know, as right, their creatives right. was was advertising people. They write music, they sing music, they do animations, they do graphics, you know, they know how to produce things, even if what the things they produce are, are to sell something as opposed to teach something. Um, right. But even commercials, you know, even back then had a little, they were good at informing and entertaining at the same time. 
Right, right. And I and I also like the fact that the animation did not look like any of the the cartoons the that they were yeah. Exactly. It was yeah. a completely different look and yeah. house style and I think that also made the cartoons much more appealing. That's a great point. And they and they also you know, were somewhat simplistic in a way. Yeah. You know, almost like they didn't want to make it too sophisticated because they wanted these cartoons to really appeal to kids. Right. You know. Well, and if you think about it too, like they they don't look like cartoon characters uh, in a narrative sense. They look like cartoon characters as like mascots. Right. They look like Lucky Charms or Hawaiian Punch or. You know, only an advertising person would think of having a singing bill, like literally a rolled up piece of paper with legs and hands and a face that sings. You would not see that in a a, an animated TV show that's that's telling you a story. You would only see that in a commercial. Right, right. (laughs) And and I never thought about that before, but that's a perfect example of something that that is so commercial in its uh, design. Um, Right. Yeah. That's a great point. The, the, the other thing, because, you know, some of these, most of these were sponsored. I can only assume that the budgets, the animation budgets were probably a little bit enhanced, <laughs> you right. know, to, to get that message across. Yeah. It looks like the first sponsor was General Foods. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Nabisco, Kenner, Kellogg's and McDonald's eventually got on board. What is interesting was, there were no billboards for any of the sponsors. And so, like, you know, they were sort of behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, they're going to sponsor Schoolhouse Rock, but they're not going to get any credit for it. I mean, right. at least I don't remember seeing any billboards for Schoolhouse Rock. I kind of feel like that no. would have taken away a little bit yeah. from the way that it was programmed. It felt really organic that right after your favorite show ended, Schoolhouse Rock would come on, even before right. the commercial. Yeah. And to say it's sponsored by, uh, no, that would have been bad. But we were suffering until suffering. Not a woman you could vote, no matter what age. In the 90s, the men struck down that restrictive rule. Hey, Mike, I think I might have the new promo for Earth Station 1 for the spring. Want to hear it? Sure. Celebrating over 12 years of bringing you all things geek, we're the Earth Station 1 podcast. No matter the topic, we have been showing you all sides of geekdom with interviews, reviews, discussions, con reports, and as always, the geek seat. Join Mike and Mike weekly at earthstation1.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. That's Earth Station 1. What do you think? Is it okay? That's fine. We'll, we'll do better next time. I would say three is the magic number of all of these is the, well, I'm not going to say that completely because the other one is number nine, which I love. It's Grady Tate. When you're trying, multiplying by nine, you might give it everything you've got and still be stopped. If you don't know some secret way you can check on. It, each of those is a musical style that it is not sort of native to my sensibility. It's not mm-hmm. where I normally just like, uh, I, that's my thing, right? But they're both so great that I feel like those right. are the two that stretched my musical brain. Um, mm. 
in the same way that Sesame Street would sometimes, you know, stretch my my mind, musically speaking, and go, hey, listen to this style you've never heard before. This is cool. Um, uh, or, or the 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 um the superhero one uh, uh that we were right. talking verbs verb. that's another right. one that that like that's just not the style of music that i was exposed to very much so those were both 3 and 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 9 uh particularly mm-hmm. were ones that were and they were different styles from one another obviously but right, so i just right. wanted to interject that sorry yeah 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 that's fine that's fine uh 3 is a magic number is a favorite i mentioned i got 6 but then you reminded me of figure 8 Figure Eight is just, you know, it's a beautiful song. It's such a beautiful song. I mean, everything about it, the lyrics and and how the music is written for it is, it's, yeah. it's just everything. Well, it's got that cool shift too because it starts that that slow, soft, wistful, right, and then once it gets into teaching you the multiplication tables. Then it gets into this kind of cool, like, driving kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. Before you made another single move. One times eight is eight. Two times eight is sixteen. Three times eight is twenty-four. Four times eight is thirty-two. And five times eight is forty. And I, and I like songs like that. I like songs that kind of change up mm-hmm. and... You know, kind of morph into something that then goes back. And yeah. I like songs that sound like they take different directions. You would never think to put these two songs together, but somehow it works. Yeah. You know? And Three is the Magic Number does that, too. It sort of starts mm-hmm. off one way and then mm-hmm. transitions and then wraps itself back to where it started from. And, and, right. And really they they got those sick transitions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For me, it was uh, lovely lady Liberty, you know, with her book of recipes. Then and, it jumps and then speaking out those sweet, sick transitions, the great American melting pot, the great American right. talking about how no matter what you are, or where you're from, you're American. My grandmother came from Russia, a satchel on her knee. My grandfather had his father's cap he brought from Italy. They'd heard about a country where life might let them win. They paid the fare to America, and there they melted in. Yeah, this, this country, this the idea of what I took from it as a kid. Yeah, what made America, what makes America stand out from the rest of the world is that we're we're a gift. The idea, at least, what's on paper. At least what's on paper. Functionally, we can have a robust debate over on Thunder Talk <laughs> after after hours where we get rated R about history because history's rated R, teachers. Just <laughs> get used to it. Uh, is that America is a gift to the world. It's an idea. It right. was it's 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 the it's 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 the next step in social evolution. And the world is welcome. And the world is America. You know, for me, with my politics and beliefs, you can DM me if you want to know uh, what I really think. <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock shaped a lot of my political and social values mm-hmm. for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I look back on a lot of those songs and think, well, there's a bit of naivety going on there. But no, this is for children. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to get the idea at you. Exactly. You can, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Elbow Room is a catchy, catchy, catchy song, but there's lots of things you can argue about why Manifest, Dest- Manifest Destiny was not all that it was cracked up to be. Exactly. But they're inter- but, but it happened. It happened. It's history. That's why it happened. They're not saying it's good or bad. They're just saying it's it happened. And, and that's fine. Lewis and Clark volunteered to go. Goodbye, good luck, wear your overcoat. They prepared for good times and for bad and for bad. They hired a sack of Chewia to be their guide. She led them all across the countryside, reached the coast, and found the most elbow room we've ever had. That, that, that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about it, because then one day you'll go to college, but you'll still remember the schoolhouse rock, right. and you'll you'll bring it all together. The preamble and No More Kings, to me, are the ones that are like, this is why we're special. This is why we're yes. interesting. This is what we did that no one else had really quite done before. Right. Um, and you know, why it's that they call it the, you know, the experiment, you know. Um, yes. So historically, those were, and, and they are just darn catchy tunes. They're both Really, really, really great. He taxed their property, he didn't give them any choice. And back in England, he didn't give them any voice. That's called taxation without representation, and it's not fair. They're swinging, dude. They're yeah. swinging, and that's that, that's what makes them representative of the, of the, the, the highest form of education as you know, what we've been able to put out. He even has the nerve to tax our cup of tea. To put it kindly, King, we really don't agree. Gonna show you how it feels. But the America rock that swings the hardest to me is, is the suffrage song. Suffering yes, till suffrage. Yes, indeed. I mean, it, it, it's got that great chorus. It just jams. <laughs> it really rocks. I think that's a, just yeah. a really cool song. Uh, and as a kid, I could barely even understand what they were saying. I didn't understand. I didn't right. know the word suffrage. I had no idea what that word meant as a child. There's Susan B. Anthony. Yeah. And Julia Howe. Lucretia. Lucretia Ma. And others. They showed us how. They carried signs and marched in lines until at long last the law was passed. Oh, we were suffering until suffering. Not a woman here could vote no matter what age. Then the 19th Amendment struck. And the background singers were just tearing it up. That's one of the things I feel that has really changed with music. Like, almost feels like background singers are just in the background these days. That is, they're yeah. just there. They don't really they're contribute not. too too much. Yeah. And in a lot of these schoolhouse rock songs, like you know, Conjunction Junction, the yes. chorus. I mean, they all sound great. He's singing with the chorus. They're they're in, they're right. uh, 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 cutting in and out of each other. They're they're interjecting and they're 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 trading off lines and right. Uh, but again. That that you get to the verbs, man. That's some serious twenty feet from stardom style background vocals. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, it. yes, yes. You never know where the influences are going to come from, and uh, that's what makes music so wonderful. 
And in many ways, I feel like Schoolhouse Rock was sort of beating PBS and Sesame Street at their own game. You know, it's almost like, thanks, thanks Sesame Street for showing us how to entertain it to a modern kids audience. We'll right. take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a lot of ways, um, Schoolhouse Rock, uh, was for, I wouldn't say it's for older kids, but it appealed to older kids in a way that Sesame Street no longer did. Yeah. Um, I always right. tell people this. I, I came along at the perfect age. For each of this stuff, I was three when Sesame Street debuted, and then I was seven mm-hmm. when the Electric Company debuted, which is okay. that's that's the target audience. Hey, we've been talking to three year olds right. for three years. Let's talk to seven year olds, and that's right. me. And then right. and I was this that same age, what nineteen seventy five? I was I was eight or nine years old, and so I I feel like I I, I probably should be smarter than I am. Because I had all this great <laughs> educational television that was so entertaining and so well made and, 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 you know, yeah, I, I, I should be much smarter than I am. Well, the thing is, I guess I will always remember that six times six is 36, six times six because of Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. Right. And I still, I will still, uh, uh, like sometimes, you know, cause you, now I just have got so much garbage in my brain that I get overloaded and I forget. But I can remember taking bath tests and and singing the threes song yeah, right. to myself. Right. Um, and uh, um, there was another and eights because figure eight. You know, it, it, that one came. Those are the two that came on the most, and those were the two that I was able to memorize the, the, the lyrics. And and I had a lot of trouble with multiplication tables. Like I I really had a lot of trouble with them because I just. It, when the day is over, you just have to memorize them. Yeah, and, that's and, and make exactly yourself memorize right, them. Right. So that's where the songs really came in handy um, because they were just mnemonics, whatever I can't say the word. Um, New, mnemonics. Thank you, my friend. Bam. Oh, by the way, I watched Electricity the other night. That one's that's a pretty that's a pretty rocking tune. Electricity, electricity. That's a pretty good one. I, I don't think I ever saw that one. It's um it didn't air a lot, but I remember it and and uh and um it's uh I mean it's pretty interesting. They talk about turbines and it's it's pretty amazing. Take it away, Ned, let's hear uh, it. I, I couldn't possibly <laughs> I could not possibly sing that one. Electricity, electricity. Flip that switch and what do you get? You get a electricity, electricity. Every room can now be Do you like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. So, Ned. Yes, sir. Uh, last time you were here, we asked, where can everybody find you on the internet? What's going on? And I think generally your answer was, uh, tune into Adult Swim. Yes. Tune into Adult Swim. The work speaks for itself. Go to, uh, and, and go to, go to HBO Max. My entire career is, is on there now. There you go. Every moment of television I've made is on there now. 
Um, yeah, I'm not a. I, I, I mean, I have a Facebook page, but I just rant about my personal issues on there. And yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram, but I really only use it to follow other people's interesting lives and not for people with mine. Because it's just three <laughs> pictures of my dogs. That's all it is. Just sleeping dogs. Hey, man, you got some good-looking dogs, though. I, I do want to say that. I do. They're wonderful. They're very yeah. sweet, and they're very cute. And I take their pictures while they're sleeping all the time. <laughs> 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 yeah, if you want to check out Ned's dogs, go go internet. Go Here's internet a dog sleeping. Dogs. Here's a different yeah. dog sleeping. <laughs> Here's another dog. Yep. He's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely Adult Swim, definitely uh, HBO Max's Adult Swim. We got a whole, you know, you have a whole, age. you have a whole presence, a yeah. whole media presence, from what yes. I understand. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Check out this HBO Max. I've never heard of it personally, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hear, hey, Ned's on there, so you know, it's worth my fifteen bucks a month. Faux it's, show. It's, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Very cool. Well, hey, you know, from all of us to all of you, thanks for tuning in to our Schoolhouse Rocks episode. Uh, Ned, thanks thanks for showing up. Thank you, guys. This is this has been fun, as always. Anytime, dude. Anytime. Anytime. The, only, the only thing more fun than listening to your podcast is being on your podcast. Oh, such love. Mm. I just, mm. I wish more people could experience it. But then it's I'd like, have to listen to them. It's then you have to tell them, yeah, listen to them tell you how awesome we are. Yeah, but send them my way. Be like, dude, I don't, you don't need to waste my water cooler time. This Dan guy's got nothing going on. You want to give him nothing but sweet affirmations? He needs it. He's in a really dark spot right now. He can really use it. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, I'm always in a dark spot, so I'm always kidding. When you you sent me the email, Ned, that was a reminder because Dan and I have been talking about you for a while. And uh-huh. when you sent the email, I said, okay, this is a perfect time to have you on the show and to be able to catch up. So, yeah, you know, it was like perfect timing. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I, I'm glad you I'm glad you, you turned around and sprung this on me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I did. You know? yeah, as soon as we got the email from you, I, I was like, okay, I got to watch these again. And, and my DVDs currently are packed up. Because the room where I keep them is being rebuilt by the guys that made me late tonight, and um, so I, yeah, I found them online, and I, I, you know, they're they're three, two, but they're a minute long, so you just yeah. start. You watch one, and twenty minutes later, you watch you've watched two seasons worth, and you've got suffering for, for, for suffering suffrage stuck in your head. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. All right, will somebody say goodbye on behalf of this? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Boom. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.